Hi, I'm Alison Hornery and we're coming to you live today from the first of the Canadian Open Government Tour events for 2014. This evening's discussion is happening in the Peel region of southern Ontario. I'm joined by Jacques Mayou, the CIO of Elections Canada and also the city organiser for the OpenGov Tour when it reaches Ottawa. And of course, Richard Pietro is with us, who is embarking on this epic 20,000 kilometre journey across Canada for open government. And we're also joined by Ron Jaros, who is the manager of the Peel Open Data Program. Welcome, everybody. Hello. Welcome. Hello. So today we're briefly going to touch on some of the different dimensions of open government and open data as a way of starting the conversation or continuing the conversation for the Peel regional community. So, Jacques, if I can turn to you first, from your perspective, given that you've had extensive experience across different spheres of government, how do we understand open government? What are the different forms that it takes? Oh, boy, what a great question. So, you know, just at a very high level, if you look at the current um, uh, action plan that the Government of Canada is consulting on, you know, they kind of split it into very th- three very high-level uh, categories, open information, open data, open dialogue. And, um, you know, that they, if you just take that for what it's worth, it kind of speaks for itself. But, you know, when you, you can really go deep into this question, too, because uh, open government really touches on so many different facets of what the government does, what any government does, in fact, uh, municipal, provincial or federal. You know, and, and I'll just list a few, um, you know, access to information, a proactive disclosure of procurement, asset disclosure, um, you know. Uh, open data, it's one we can't forget. Public procurement, there, there's the, the whole whistleblowing element of it. There's aid transparency, which is my background. Um, anti-corruption, budget transparency, um, you know, natural resources, extractives transparency, political finance, um, public service delivery. You know, the, the, the list goes on and on. Open contracting. So there, there's so many facets of it. And that, uh, you know, it basically represents the challenge ahead. So, Jacques, you touched on on a number of themes there, and I know that uh, with Ron joining as Open Data is is one that that he has a particular interest in. Ron, if I can just ask you, Open Data is often the first place that open government conversations start. It seems to be the thing that people can get their heads around. Um, But there's starting to be some really compelling research coming out about the contribution that open data can make economically as well as socially. In your experience working with the open data community in Peel, how do we move this conversation beyond the technology, the technologists, the people who understand data and understand what different formats are and machine readable, the people who get the language, how do we move it beyond those people to decision makers, citizens, journalists, those sorts of people, do you think? The benefit really comes from the people that can actually use the data. So once once the technologists have the access to the data, they can use it to develop applications. The, the people, the residents, uh, the communities, the decision makers in our communities, they have to see the benefit uh, in, in their everyday lives. So uh, being able to access the data, being able to understand the data, knowing how to get at it, knowing that it's available, is the first place we're going to start. It's it's knowledge. It's it's getting people to know that data is there and available. So you raise a really interesting theme that's a personal interest of mine, which is who else needs to be part of this open government, open data conversation? And I think it's a particularly important question given Richard's tour. 
So we've, we've talked about citizens and we've talked about, uh, obviously, government practitioners. Who else do we think needs to be part of these conversations about why open government and open data are important? Jacques, what do you think? Who else needs to be part of this discussion? Well, I think if you really want to get down to the current challenges, you can't just generalize and say it's government that needs to be involved, frankly, because it really is the the geeks and the technologists in government who have been involved to date. Mm. And um, frankly, I think it's uh, it needs to be a broader discussion inside government. It needs to start at the policymaking stage and it needs to be incorporated into the program development because the bigger challenge that the technologists have is actually you know figuring out the the the, the source and the and the quality and the metadata around the data so first off within government i think the conversation needs to be broadened and that means involving uh, you know the program and policy types with the technicians in hack fests and code fests and you know making sure that the teams are half and half um, you know, functional people and uh, techies and you can get a lot more out of it i think the same thing has to happen on the citizen side in that um, you know there there are people out there who understand the needs of society very well the the, the uh, you know organizations that uh, that are really actively engaged in citizen in, in citizen involvement um, you know, in, in uh, supporting um, um, communities of immigrants and stuff like that, who basically need to be joined by the technicians on the public side and the technicians on the private side. So that, that it's, it's got to be a deeper conversation of different kinds of people on both sides of that, uh, of that fence. And Ron, from your point of view, who would you like to see involved in these discussions? Well, I think politicians have to be involved in these discussions. Uh, the primary reason that the politicians need to be there is because they're the ones that have to support the activity of the staff that work at the government levels. So if, if the politicians aren't on board, then they're not going to have the support from the, poli- from the, uh, from the politicians, won't, have, won't provide the support to their staff in order to, uh, to support open data initiatives. So they're, they're a key, key group that has to be involved. At the same point, uh, you also have to have senior management involved. So senior management, even though the technologists are making the data available, senior management has to be able to answer the question, who's going to benefit from this? What's the, what's the payoff? Um, what, why am I spending all this time and energy? Is there really benefit? And if we can't see the benefit in terms of outcomes, that's really where the rubber hits the road. It's in the outcomes. So if we can demonstrate outcomes as a result of making data open and available, then we're, we're miles ahead. Well, that's the perfect segue to my next question, which was talking about this, this field in practice and how do we show good cases and uh, good examples of, of this stuff at work. Jacques, you mentioned things like um, having hackathons and those sorts of things, but what other kinds of examples or what other cases can you think of to share with, uh, with the room in Peel that might be... Examples of really good uh, open government work that uh, could be replicated or, or mimicked or some, some ways that we can get some tangible runs on the road quickly. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a believer in the opportunity of, um, of open data in terms of uh, leveraging cross-jurisdictional conversation and um, even international. So I, I think, you know, I'm kind of looking ahead and seeing where you can get the most bang for your buck out of open data in the long term. And I think what it means is certain governments, maybe even Canada, taking leadership in the conversation between jurisdiction, um, you know, encouraging 
collaboration um, between you know the municipal, provincial, and federal jurisdiction here in Canada, but also taking the lead on some international conversations, um, because the benefit to open data is ultimately a, a, a global initiative. There's one thing I'd like for Jacques to speak on real quick here, because I only got to know Jacques last fall at a government conference when he organized with someone that's not his sort of peer, like Jacques holds a very high post as a, a chief uh, information officer, but he organized open data speed dating with someone that was much lower ranked than he was, bypassing sort of that middle management and working in collaborative spirit and creating that sort of engagement. Jacques, I'm, I was fascinated by that, how you got involved, and that's how I became a fan of yours. Can you speak more about how you decided to work with this gentleman and, and putting open data speed dating together and how you like have created that culture? Yeah, well, you know, you've given me too much credit because I think I, I deliberately architected that event to be a, pretty much a leaderless one. You know, I had some good people working, good volunteers stepping forward. I didn't want it to be associated with any particular department. I didn't want to get any deputy minister in trouble. And if the, the center uh, had issues about what was going on, I didn't really want them to have a target that they could shut down. So it's a little bit of subversiveness, but also, uh, you know, my firm belief that when you crowdsource something like this, you're actually uh, you're, you're you're living you're you're living the story that you're trying to tell. You're keeping it open. You're getting the people involved. In in fact, though, you know there were other CIOs who supported this exercise and sent excellent people out to collaborate in the open data speed dating. And once it sh it was clear that there were public servants willing to go out and engage people asking questions about the data sets or just asking general questions about open data policy, then the, the enthusiast side of the table really filled up quick where we, you know, we had, uh, we had 20 tables, we did uh, five minute speed dating rounds, and at the end of it all, everybody had such rich conversations about the subject that their heads were about to explode. So, you know, I, I stepped back and basically congratulated the whole team because it was everybody who made it work. It, it was it was in its you know it, it was a it was a first time thing of this event in conjunction with the GTEC uh, conference, so I was a little worried that it was going to get hijacked, uh, which is why I kind of left it to the troops to make things work. Richard, this might be a good point to open it up to the room with the three or four minutes we have left to uh, have any other questions. Um, maybe Allison can share a little bit more information about uh, what's going on with open data and open data in uh, Australia. <laughs> it's a loaded question it, it kind of is at the moment i must confess um look it's 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 a really interesting time for us uh and and really uh interesting to be speaking with you all this evening in uh this time tomorrow there is going to be a, a quite a significant research report launched uh by one of our the former chair of our government 2.0 task force um, who is releasing a significant economic research report on the value of open data to the Australian economy. So we're going to be very interested to see that. Um, we've been playing in this space uh, at, at various levels of government. We're similar to, to Canada in as much as we have federal, state and local government, so three spheres, um, which brings its own delightful challenges, as I'm sure you guys experience as well. Um, we have official open government policy at a federal level. State governments are starting to get their heads around it um, and individual agencies like transport and environment and so on are, are, are experimenting with, what, again, what that looks like in practice. Uh, we spent 
about six months with the environmental agency in one of our states, New South Wales, uh, developing a comprehensive agency-wide open government plan, action plan. There's a lot of commitment there and, and that's a really, um, I think, a, a great case study for, for people to look at because it's not an easy journey for them. They're, you know, they have leadership support, they have resourcing and it's still hard and I think that's a really, um, a really important message that it's, it isn't an easy journey but you must do it anyway. Um, at a local uh, municipal government level, again, it's really interesting. I think a lot of the work of local government here is almost open by default because it is that front line with the citizen. Um, so while they may not call it open government, I think that there is a lot of activity there. Certainly the open data side of things, we have a very active um, advocate in the federal government. Data.gov.au has a lot of support uh, politically now with our, our conservative government that we have, which is interesting. Um, and most of the states have open data programs. Again, at municipal levels, it's it's quite hit and miss. We have nearly 600 local municipalities across the country um, and, you know, ranging in size geographically from epic to tiny. Um, and, of course, you have, you know, the, the challenges that come along with that. So um, you, we read in journals and so on, that we're about kind of number three among G20 countries in terms of our maturity in this space. Um, I'm not sure that that's a particularly useful league table to, to use, but I guess we're, you know, we're well on the way, but plenty of work still to be done. But one of the things I think you were telling me the other day is Australia has no plans on signing the Open Government Partnership. Is that correct? So what we what happened was that uh, our previous government um, had signed a letter of intention to join um, the Open Government Partnership. Then we had an election and a change of government. The letter is still active. It hasn't been withdrawn, um, but it hasn't been acted upon either. So the only information that any of those of us that are you know, that are proactive in this space have from from all sorts of uh, directions is that it is still under consideration, um, but we have no signals one way or the other at the moment. Fair enough. Are there any other questions? Oh, go ahead, John. I was going to say, which is interesting because um, you know. There's been a few milestones in open government, open data in Canada. You know, signing up to the open government partnership was one. Launching the open data portal was another. And I'm not sure if in the session that you're at tonight, Richard, that there was any talk about the report that was just issued by the Standing Committee on Government Operations and Estimates on uh, open data, the way forward. It's a, it's a report put out by a parliamentary committee. It kind of ties to what Ron said about the politicians being involved. You know, I guess I, I have to say I'm proud of um, the parliamentary committee that put out this report. It's quite comprehensive. Everybody should take a chance, take the time to read it. And 22 very solid recommendations about how to move Canada's open data program forward. Now, the, the only concern I have about this is that I know that the open data program at, in Canada is being run on a pretty lean, mean budget. And... Um, I worry that the, the office that's running this, I know some of the people well, uh, just don't have the capacity right now to uh, take on 20 new um, solid uh, um, recommendations and action items. But uh, in terms of um, recommendations and intent, it's, uh, it's quite exciting to read. Actually, uh, this is going to be a bit of a shameless plug here, but I'm quite familiar with that whole report because I've already asked. And for the, those of you in the audience, on July 2nd, 
um, individuals who testified to that committee, more specifically Harvey Lowe with the City of Toronto's Wellbeing Program, as well as Rob Giggy with the City of Ottawa, uh, will be speaking at the July 2nd Toronto event about their experience giving their testimony. I'm working with the province as well, asking them if they could give be part of the conversation also. Um, so if you want to find out more about this report, I'm sure that Harvey and Rob will, will be able to answer your questions on July 2nd. Yeah, and, and the great thing about this report, Richard, is exactly what you just said. They did take the time to consult with uh, hands-on practitioners who were right in the middle of it all. Absolutely. That's all we have time for this evening. I'd like to thank Richard, Jacques, Ron and the audience in Peel for their participation tonight. And I'd like to leave you with a challenge, all of you, but particularly those of you in the audience with Richard as he moves off on his tour. As you leave tonight, who is one person that you will talk to about what you've heard and your experiences and what will you say to them in one sentence to bring them along on this conversation? So thank you very much. Please don't forget to tune into other conversations about the Open Government Tour on open.govcampus.co and we look forward to your company again next time. Bye for now. Bye.